0: Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad that you're here today. I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you watching online, and also let's say a big Merry Christmas to everyone meeting up in Port Perry. Let's say one, two, three, Merry Christmas. Let's give them a hand, our North Site uh, today. I don't think I've seen my wife in the last three weeks as she has been watching every single W Network Hallmark Christmas movie known to humanity. Let me share a few of them with you. Christmas in Evergreen, Finding Santa, Mistletoe Inn, Journey Back to Christmas, A Nutcracker Christmas, A Christmas to Remember, Christmas in a Homestead. Now, they're all the same, by the way, if you haven't caught this yet. Either someone is royal from a country no one has ever heard about and falls in love with someone in Wisconsin over cheese, or the main theme is people from the city always get trapped in the country, someone's baking, everyone falls in love around eggnog and Christmas tree trees, a fireplace, and it's sealed at the end with a G-rated kiss every single time. See, I think for us, Christmas movies now have become a tradition. Are they a tradition in your household? They obviously are now in mine. Let me uh, say a few of them and see if you watch them. Anyone watch Holiday Inn? Cheer out if you like that one, Holiday Inn. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Wow. Okay. Miracle on 34th Street. Anyone? Okay. Right. A White Christmas. Uh, the original Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer in felt. All right. Excellent. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Anyone? Okay. The original uh, Grinch and How He Stole Christmas. That one from 19. 19- okay. Here's one of my favorites. Here's one of my favorites. Uh, it's this. A Christmas Story. Anyone know this? Yeah, yeah, that's the one where he wants the BB gun, and the dad wins the prize. Remember, and the prize is the burlesque woman's leg lamp. I was at a Christmas party last week, and by the way, one of the ugly sweaters a guy was wearing was that lamp, and no one had seen the movie. I thought it was great. Everyone else was insulted. Anyway, beautiful. Um, a national, national lampoon Christmas. Yeah, favorite part in that movie is when the cat gets electrocuted to death. Love it, it's a gift to me every single year. Uh, Home Alone, anyone like Home Alone? Yeah, all right. Yeah, my son, my six-year-old son has discovered this, and him snorting is a gift to me, just watching it. Uh, The Santa Claus, one, two, and three with Tim Allen. Uh, Ooh, not so much. Okay. Uh, Elf. Anyone an Elf fan? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, One of my other favorites is Christmas with the Cranks. Anyone like that one at all? Uh, One of the parts I love is when she's actually tanning, and she comes out in the mall. She's bright orange and runs into her priest. Christmas gift to me every year. Now, why do we love these so much? Why do we as a culture surround ourselves with these movies? Well, they're actually meant to cause us to feel, to enter into the season called Christmas. They're, they're actually to move us to long ago times or to help us live in the moment of the season. They're given actually to lead us on a journey into a place that's real or if you watch every W movie, imagined. In many ways, Christmas movies are the entertainment communities offering for us to become pilgrims in the season of Christmas. But it's so interesting when you really think about it, it's not true pilgrimage. A real pilgrim is a traveler who comes away from a faraway place and is on our journey to a holy place. Now, if you don't come to our church, for the last few weeks, we've been on a journey through the Christmas story, and we've looked at the shepherds and the wise men, and we have discovered something so important. Real Christian pilgrimage is to a person never to a place. A Christian pilgrimage moves us to the person of Jesus and he gives us peace. But tonight or this afternoon as we gather here on Christmas Eve, the roles become reversed. Jesus is actually called the very first and ultimate pilgrim and pioneer because he has come from the farthest of places to come get us. He's come from heaven to find not just us collectively, but to find you personally and to actually give you peace. But that belief that Jesus came from another place implies something about Jesus we need to think about this afternoon. Before the wise men in gold and frankincense and myrrh, before the star, before Jesus was presented in the temple, before the great Christmas songs of Simeon and Mary and Zechariah, before the phrase, no room in the inn, before the birth of Jesus, before the shepherds, before the choirs of angels that sang glory to God in the highest, before Gabriel showed up to Joseph and Mary, before Mary heard these words, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God and you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus and he will be great and be called the son of the most high. Before the Holy Spirit came upon that young teenage girl, we are left with the question, where did Jesus come from before all of this? Did Jesus even exist before or was he created? Who was Jesus before the manger? Who was Jesus before Mary? Who was Jesus before it all? Well, one scholar rightly put it this way. It's a little heady, but walk with me. The idea that Jesus is the Son of God eternally, forever, pre-existed in the glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit is absolutely central to the Christian faith. And that Jesus, moved by love, became incarnate in the manger on that first Christmas is the foundation on which all Christian faith rests. Jesus, to become a pilgrim, had to exist to come in the first place. Now, one of the best Christmas passages in the whole Bible is usually never talked about on Christmas. It's found in Jesus' best friend's book called the Gospel of John. And let's dive in from heaven's view, and it reads like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, maybe those words ring true to you. That throws us back to a time where no time was. In the time of invention, in the time of creation, the the very first verse in the Bible reads like this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, out of nothing, God created everything. Yet now John says at the beginning, at that same moment, the word was God and the word was with God. Now we're about to see that Jesus actually is the word. Well, the word was with God is better actually written this way. Jesus was turned towards God. There's relationship and intimacy. But not only is the word, the pre-incarnate Jesus towards God, it says the word was God himself. In Greek, it actually reads in the reverse. God was the word. Jesus Christ... The word, the one announced by angels, the one that the star pointed to, the one that shepherds came and found, the one wrapped in swaddling clothes, the, the one that, who would have to have his diapers changed and cried when his teeth came in, a baby that would, of course, be breastfed and cried when he was hungry and learned how to smile and crawl and put his hands on everything he was not supposed to. The Bible claims that that baby that we are celebrating this afternoon actually is God in flesh. It says in verse 2 that Jesus was with God in the beginning. And so we are to see Christmas and actually everything about Jesus in the light of these two verses. John not done now moves us from preexistence to beginning, the store of creation itself, far before anything the, of Christmas was celebrated. And he wrote these words that through Jesus, through the word, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Hold on, you're saying as a skeptic or see, a seeker here this afternoon, are, are you telling me, John That the guy that I've heard about, that people wear necklaces about, the guy I read about in the Gospels, the guy who was born, had parents, grew up, whose dad was a carpenter, the guy that I heard maybe cast out demons and healed and taught and was executed on a cross, and you Christians believe rose from the dead. You're telling me that Jesus from Nazareth created capital R Reality? Oh, yes. Like all great prequels and sequels, we see the full picture now. God the Father through Jesus created all things. God's creative capacity is expressed through the word Jesus, and Jesus is the respon- is responsible for the creation of the world. He was not the most important created thing, and then he created everything else. Jesus has always been because he is God. That's why in the last book of the Bible, he's called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is God in flesh. Well, John isn't done. He says this in verse 4. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of people, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As Jesus was born, like what we're celebrating right now, as Jesus started his long travel, his pilgrimage towards you personally and us as a human family, as God comes into the world to give us a way back that could not be earned or grasped, there is opposition to this great merciful act of love. And yet John records that the light will not be snuffed out. The Darkness cannot overcome him. Satan, the kingdom of darkness, would try again and again to overcome and destroy the light. But even Jesus' execution on a cross would not overcome the Lord of life. The first attempt, by the way, to take Jesus's life, to take the word out was when Herod, the king of the Jews at that time, heard from the wise men that they had come to find the baby Jesus and he had every little boy in a vicinity executed because he did not want a rival and yet Jesus escaped. See, here's the great truth. Jesus will never be overcome. Even later when he'd be placed on a cross to die a death, we we deserve and he did not deserve, he actually came back to life. Don't miss it this Christmas afternoon and this Christmas evening. Hear the greatest truths of all truths this Christmas night. The darkness has not overcome the light, which continues to shine in our midst even now. Jesus was born to live, then to die, to live again. And so Jesus comes and he finds us, no matter where we are. But even after such a long, unbelievable, arduous trip, here's the truth that is rarely spoken in churches on Christmas Eve. Oh, many want him, but many more do not. He came to that which were were his own, but but his own did not receive him yet. To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Uh, Children not born of a natural uh, descent or a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. For those that receive and believe in Jesus, we actually get to become real children of God personally. We're adopted. we were brought out of slavery to sin and evil. Death doesn't even have the final say anymore. We're brought back to God. And it says that God gave the right for this to happen. No child says, I'm going to exist. Parents decide for that child to exist. So the same for us spiritually. God decides that we are going to become children of God. God gives us the ability to meet him and know him and walk with him in relationship. Years later, when Jesus was older, he'd say this. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws that person and I will raise them up on the last day. See, through Jesus, we're all welcome back home. Now, John's not done. He brings us back to Christmas again in verse 14 when he said, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Another translation says, God moved into the neighborhood and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. See, the word didn't just appear human. It wasn't an illusion the word really became one of us. He was that little baby in Mary's arms. Jesus, the word of God that made all things, made his dwelling among us. That's why one of the names of Jesus in the Bible is Emmanuel, God with us. In summary, this passage that weaves in and out of the Christmas story makes all things clear about who Jesus was before, during, and after the manger. Maybe we see for the first time, or maybe we see all over again the truth of Jesus. We see Jesus as his humanity and his preexistence and his incarnation and his revelation and his love and his hope and his sacrifice. Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is God stepping down into the context of us so we can know who God is and actually what he's about and actually who God is not. Jesus Christ is the original pilgrim of our faith. He left heaven to come to earth to find you, to find us. And if you know the story well, 33 years later, he died a death we all deserved to deal with our separation from God and our sin. And he overcame death by truly becoming then the original pioneer, taking new ground, not staying dead, but rising physically from the dead and showing us all the way back. I know that we are approaching this night from so many different places. Some of you are here because you're full of anticipation. Many others of you were dragged here by relatives. Some of you are here and this is your last chance with Jesus and if he doesn't show up, you're never coming back again. And others of you are here full of skepticism and doubt. Here's my question to you tonight. For you who are seekers and skeptics among us who are most welcome you have not embraced Jesus, or maybe some of you are sitting here tonight and now you know what the Bible says about Jesus, you actually don't know him, though you thought you did. You now see the whole story. There's nothing hidden. There's no fine print. Jesus is God. Jesus is the only true light. Jesus is the only one darkness cannot fully overcome. Jesus is called the light of the world. God coming for us when we could not get to him. And like we just heard in this song, his birth would lead him to a cross for all of us. I love when another pastor from New York said these words. Most religions tell you you need to do something to get to to God, but this one tells you of something that God has done for you. He did it through Jesus, his birth, and then his death on a cross. Years later, when Peter was preaching these very words, people wanted to know what they should do in response to what he was saying, and he told them to do nothing at all except rather receive what God had done for them. He actually sketched a picture of God approaching them with two gifts in his hand. One was forgiveness and one was grace. Things that they could never earn. They could only accept them or reject them. Here's what you need to hear this Christmas evening. God offers us forgiveness. Complete cleansing from whatever you've done in the past. That is unimaginable mercy, and it is possible only because of what Jesus achieved on the cross. In other words, forgiveness is nothing to do with the good life you're living or the kind deeds you pride yourself in. How could these things buy off God? You took a cross, no less, to make it possible for our full and free acceptance. Grace is entirely free for us. It was infinitely costly for him. So here's my question for you tonight. Will you recognize him? Will you actually choose to say, you know what? Jesus is who he claims. But recognition is actually never enough. Will you also receive him? Will you let him move into the neighborhood? Will you actually open up your heart and let him move into you? Let me ask you these questions tonight. Do you want hope? I mean, really? Do you actually want to be a child of God? Then confess him as the son of God, God in flesh. Do you want eternal life? Do you not want death to be the end of the conversation? then confess him as Savior and Lord. Do you actually want life and light in you that is so strong that everything that you've ever done that is wicked or evil or anything that's been done to you will actually be burned up because he is stronger, better, and more beautiful? Then this Christmas Eve, surrender to that baby that grew up and died and rose from the dead and covered all your sin and mine. Will you say yes to the greatest pilgrim? Will you accept the greatest pioneer's work ever done in history? Will you come home? If you've never come home like that in a personal way, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that now. And I'd ask all of us, no matter where you are, no matter your age or stage, would you bow your head up in Port Perry? Would you do that too, even online? And if you actually want to come home, if you actually want to actually encounter God personally and have that light and that hope and that forgiveness, just say this, Jesus Christ, this Christmas Eve, I believe that you are the Word the word with God, and actually you are God. I believe darkness has not overcome you. I believe you rose from the dead. And actually, I know that you came to get to know me. And so this night, with all my pride and all my sin and all my pain, I actually lay it at your feet and I say, would you clean me up? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you give me a fresh start? I actually want to have eternal life. Help me to know you now in a way I've never known you ever before. I turn from my sin and I say yes to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.